we are starting our Easter series today. It is called Alive. And each week we're going to look at a section of the uh, week's reading from our bookmark challenge. So why Alive? Why are we talking about Alive? Well, you and I both know it's because Jesus isn't just a historical figure. He's not just a nice guy who did nice things. He's not just a martyr who died years ago. No. He is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, our God, our King. He lived a perfect life, died a brutal death. And what happened three days later? What do we celebrate on Easter but his defeat over death, his victory over death? Because he rose again, and he offers a life to all who simply believe in him and call on him as their Lord and Savior. Jesus is alive. That's the pure gospel. That's why it's alive, because Jesus lived, he died, and Jesus changed everything. So, Though we're working our way through Matthew, though we are journeying to the cross with Jesus, we do so as Easter people, knowing that our God lives and he is on the throne and he is coming again. But until that time, we live here right on this earth, doing the work that he has called us to all while growing closer to Jesus through all of life's many ups and downs, trusting he is right here with us. So if you were able to join in our bookmark challenge, reading Matthew 1 through 7 this past week, some of this will be familiar to you, but if you were not able to read that yet, um, this is what those chapters kind of covered this past week. We read about Jesus' birth, we read about his powerful baptism, his temptation in the desert, the beginning of his ministry when he called the disciples to follow him. He gathered a large crowd and then he began the greatest sermon ever given, the Sermon on the Mount. And here's what we know. There was not a single wasted moment in Jesus' ministry. He made the most of every single opportunity that he was given. Each conversation, each encounter, and look at his teaching. Jesus lived it out. He lived what he taught and believed. He was a living example. So we're going to read a little bit of the Sermon on the Mount together. We're going to hop into a few different places, uh, but we're going to start with Matthew 5, 1 through 12, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to open up with us. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. I'll let you find that here in a minute. I'm going to take another sip of coffee here. All right. Matthew 1, 5 through 12. This is God's word. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So what are these beatitudes? Well, a beatitude, they, they dispel the lies that the world feeds us on how they think the world thinks we should live. And instead of viewing what the world lives, the beatitudes teach us of what we should value. It shows us what things in the kingdom of God hold value. You see, if we live into these things, we will be blessed. But these things are not always easy to live into, are they? You see, a beatitude, it it means blessed. That's how it translates. It it means being deeply happy and grateful. It's a state of well-being that persists through all of life's ups and downs. See, being blessed means experiencing hope and joy regardless of our outward circumstances. Do you feel blessed today? As we navigate this worldwide crisis, honestly, today, do you feel blessed? If not, what good promises of God do you need to remember today? For you to experience the blessing of our Lord and Savior who delights in you, who mourns with you, who desires to carry all your burdens and anxieties, who loves you without end. In fact, I would love for you right now to take a moment, look through the attitudes again, and then please share either here or with those that you are with what ones resonate with you today. Where do you find yourself in this list? Or where do you long to be on this list? Talk it over briefly for a minute, and then we'll move forward. Go ahead and take a moment and do that right now.
I have no idea if that was enough time. <laughs> I have no idea how to know that. So take another few seconds here and, and share with those around you and, and leave, leave any comments you may have uh, here in the comments. All right. Let's, oh, there we are. Yes. Very good. Being blessed by the messages. Love hearing that, Paul. Thanks for the encouragement. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. All right, let's move on. See, these Beatitudes, they're how Jesus begins this incredible Sermon on the Mount. Right away, Jesus proves that he was not what the people expected. But he was absolutely so much better than any expectations. Now, we're going to rest on this next section now for a couple more minutes. It's Matthew 5, 13 through 16. So let's go ahead and read that now. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. See, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill, it cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light. Oh, excuse me. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, salt and light is who we are called to be. Salt goes into every single dish, and the right amount of salt makes everything come alive. It makes every dish better. Now, humans... Are adaptable. I've been learning that this week. We are adjusting. We are starting to settle in to a new normal. There are things we are trying to figure out, right? We are adapting. Knowing who God is and who we are in Christ allows us, just like salt, to enter into any situation and make it better. God calls us the salt of the earth. So how are we doing right now in making things better for those around us and those in the world? How are things at home <laughs> with everyone all cooped up? Is anyone getting on each other's nerves yet? <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, it's been kind of tough uh, at home. I have two young, very energetic kids. It's a lot. And I have to keep checking myself to see if I'm making the situation around me better or worse based on my attitude, based on my words, based on my actions. Uh, there's been some moments where I've been a little bit salty, and I'm not talking the good kind of salty, not the godly salty, talking the you know term that we use nowadays to say, yeah, I've been a little salty. So I'd love for you right now in this moment, why don't you look at that person that you know you've been a little bit less uh, Jesus-like to lately and say, 
I'm sorry for being the wrong kind of salty. Go ahead and say that. We want to seek to be godly salty. Because when we are not, what does his word tell us? It tells us that we're not good for anything. Oof. He also says we are the light of the world. So how might we shine the light of God in the darkness of this season? How can we cast it brighter and greater in this time of the world's great need? Could this, in the wake of such difficulty, allow the church to rise up to be the hands and feet of Jesus and let the world see the beauty of our God and the hope that we have in him? Later on in this teaching, you see, it says in the top of chapter 6, Jesus says to give to the needy. And you don't sound a trumpet about it. You don't draw a lot of attention when you do a good thing. There's no need to do that. It's simply how we are called to live. And then later in chapter 7 of Matthew, there's the golden rule. Did you know that came from Jesus? <laughs> Seven twelve says this, In everything due to others, what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. We know elsewhere in the greatest commandment, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. For this, all the commands hinge. That, so these go together, right? To love our neighbor as ourself is to treat them how we want to be treated. Our teachers in elementary school are very wise. Our parents that taught us that are very wise because it is very good and it comes from Jesus. Does this sound like an appropriate word for us right now, 2,000 years later? Is this teaching still applicable today? Absolutely, because God still speaks through his word. His wisdom is absolutely true and sound. So in this season of heightened worry and stress, we really need to work to be gracious to one another. You see, there, there's no time, it's not a good time to be judgmental. We're all navigating something none of us have ever navigated before. This is a new thing for us. We don't really know the right path. We're simply doing our best and seeking the right way. So as salt and light, what do we need to do? But be the church that rises up. Be a church that is going to be kind and loving and supportive, seeking the good of the community together. In a lot of ways, humanity is starting to show some of the best part of themselves by rallying together during this time. Have you noticed that? Supporting one another. I absolutely love that. But there's the other side to that. That shouldn't this be the norm? Why does it take a global event such as this to get us to the point where we start to actually think about our neighbor? And honestly, a question that haunts me, once things stabilize and slowly gets back to normal, 
How much time will pass before we start to once again take things for granted? Church, may that not be so with us. May we remember these things and hold them dearly, for that is how God has called us to live. See, I pray we don't take them for granted. I pray we hold on to what we are experiencing right now and let it influence us to live differently moving forward. So let's read one more passage today. It's going to help us through this. Cool thing with how God works. I had this passage picked out um, this, for this reading plan, you know, months ago before things really uh, accelerated here in the U.S., and the passage for the, our reading plan was for yesterday. It's all about not worrying. Huh. That seems pretty relevant to us today. So, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Let's check it out. 6, 25 through 34. It goes like this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor, no, not even Solomon was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things. Your heavenly fathers knows that you need them. So what are we going to do? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now there are some true words. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. Can I be honest with you guys? I've been in and out of quite a lot of different levels of anxiety for the past two weeks as we have navigated all of this. And I trust I'm not alone in that. I trust you have been uh, as well. See, earlier this week, at the end of the day, I was here at uh, church doing a lot of work, figuring out a new way to be the church. And it was one of those days where, you know, the news coming through is changing almost by the minute and not for the positive. And I had a lot of anxiety I was carrying for the church, for my family, for my wife who's pregnant, expecting a, a baby to come in, in May, right? And I was just so consumed by all this because I just kept reading the, 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 the facts coming in and just considering it all that I so desperately needed to unplug. I just got to my end. So I went home from church 
And I put my phone away uh, because I needed to refresh, to heal, to mend, to allow things to just digest. I was overloaded, thinking nonstop. Do you ever have it where you're thinking in your sleep? Like you wake up and you're like, I don't think I actually slept. I just thought a lot. (laughs) That's that night that I had. Put my phone away. And I decided to simply rest in the presence of my family and in the presence of my God. Now, the reality is I can't tell you how many times my hand subconsciously went to my phone pocket to check the latest updates. (laughs) But my phone wasn't there. And so I didn't know the latest updates. And throughout that night, it was five to six hours of a retreat, you could call it. God blessed me deeply with peace, with calm, with assurance that everything was and will be okay. Here's the thing. Before doing this, I wanted to cast all my anxieties on God. I desperately wanted him to take them all away from me. I wanted to stop worrying, but I was not creating the space to allow him to take that worry away. I was constantly plugged into the source of my worry. And as soon as I retreated from that for a time, it created the space for God to flood me and meet me in that space and give me an overwhelming sense of calm. So what is bringing you worry today? There is a lot of cause right now. A lot of anxiety right now. There's the spread of sickness, the uncertainty of how many uh, reports will come in today. How many are carrying this with zero symptoms today? What about job security? Perhaps you've been laid off. Perhaps you have no idea how you're going to pay the bills. Maybe you did not stock up on groceries and now that it's super hard to, you're concerned that you won't even have enough to get through a couple weeks. Maybe you're worried about a call for us to be locked down and not not go anywhere. Maybe it's simply a deep fear for your loved ones or an unknown for how long or how bad this is going to be until it takes a turn for the better. There are so many reasons we could worry and we are worrying right now. But Jesus says, do not worry. How do we do that? How do we stop worrying? We can stop worrying. We have the means to because when we see the cross, and that's all we can see, God sees the empty tomb. When we see just the deep darkness of the valley, what does God see but the victory on the other side? When we see the hurt, what does God see but the healing that will come? When we see the temporary, God sees the eternal. Fear and worry is contagious. It can spread to every single person around us. But what else is contagious but hope and faith and love? And where do we find these things except in Jesus Christ? That is where we find them. He is our hope, our faith, our love, and the source of those things. 
We come to know him through his word. So what Bible passages have been speaking to you this week? What has been carrying you through? For me, I shared it with you last week. 2 Timothy 1.7 has been very close to my heart through all of this. And that is that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, of love, and of sound mind. Thank you, Jesus. So what passage has been speaking to you this week? I would love for you to share it with those around you. Comment it here. Drop it in the comments. And if you don't have one, write it down so that you can then look up, uh, write down the ones that people are posting so you can write it down and look it up later and it can carry you through. I trust God will speak and minister to you through his word. He always does. So take a minute, share with those around you and uh, share it here in the comments and then we'll get back to it. <laughs> 